Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Renee Kwashi. He's a first ever vice president of policy and regulation affairs, digital health at the Consumer Technology Association, the CTA. Kwashi provides guidance on key technical and regulatory issues relating to consumer digital health technology products, services, software, and apps. Kwashi also works on behalf of CTA's Health and Fitness Technology Division, which supports the consumer health technology industry through advocacy, education, research, standards, work, policy initiatives, and more. Prior to CTA, Kwashi was in private law practice at several national firms for two decades, focusing his work on healthcare issues, including digital health, reimbursement, and privacy. He earned his law degree from George Washington University in the great city of Washington, D.C., which is where he resides. And just, I mean, timely, timely work that his life's focus has been on that now is the focus of our country and really of everybody's lives today. So such a privilege to have you here with us, Renee. I'm so privileged to have you join us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and I'm looking forward to the discussion. Yeah. And so, you know, Renee, obviously with COVID and everything that's happened in our country, digital health and telemedicine has become such a center point and way of delivering care. I'm really excited to dig into the work you're doing at CTA. But before we do that, I'd love to find out more about what inspires your work in healthcare. Yeah, so I've been in this field in one way or the other, usually on the legal side for over two decades now. And I, and I think what I'm finding as I get a little bit older is that I believe, I sincerely believe that technology-enabled health solutions are the key to delivering better outcomes and reducing overall health costs. We're not there yet. I think we're at the beginning of the race to be perfectly blunt, but I think technology offers tremendous opportunities for us to remake the healthcare system. So that's what drives me. That's what drives the organization. And we've got phenomenal members who I think are going to play a leading role in advancing the cause of healthcare in the United States in the next half century. Love it. Yeah. You know, I believe it too, Renee. And and so what would you say, you know, and, and you know, I think maybe just to begin with, let's park on CTA, you know, and the focus there, the Consumer Technology Association, and then help us understand your role within the CTA. Sure. So CTA is a large technology trade association, one of the largest in the world. We cover almost every industry sector that has some function that deals with technology. So you think about the the sectors, we have everything from energy, transportation, healthcare, obviously, sort of consumer entertainment, sports, you name it, we're there. Healthcare is the fastest growing sector of our membership. We have a health division with its own board within CTA that's dedicated to digital health. And it's an incredibly diverse group of companies that are members of this 
board. So we've got retailers like CBS and Walgreens and Best Buy Health. We've got a large insurer in Humana. We've got telemedicine companies like Ginger and Doctor on Demand. We've got sort of more traditional tech players like Google and Microsoft and Samsung. And so we really are an incredibly diverse group of companies in the ecosystem that really want to advance the use and deployment of technology in a much better, more comprehensive way in our healthcare ecosystem. We believe that technology is a key in reforming and changing and, and really ushering in a new era of healthcare in the United States. Yeah, you know, it's it's fascinating. And, you know, when you put all these companies and stakeholders together, I imagine a lot of great things can happen, ideas generated. What would you say makes what your part of the CTA does to make healthcare better? Yeah, I think the biggest advantage we have is a lot of these companies have never, well, some of them have never been involved in healthcare to the degree they are today. Mm -hmm. I mean, so if you think about a Microsoft and what Microsoft originally was when the company was founded, Samsung and others, we have a lot of very innovative players who are in the healthcare space in a way that they haven't before. So I think that's number one. Number two, as you can see in other industry sectors, even if you look at your own personal life, think about the way technology has completely changed the way you live, the way you business, the way you communicate, the way you receive entertainment. And we think healthcare is a little behind in the acceptance and deployment of technology. And so we want to play a leading role in that. And I think our companies are well positioned to advance that cause. I love that. So do you guys, and this is just a, a curiosity, you, you guys are the ones that run CES? Yeah, that's that's what we're known for. We own and host that show, which occurs every January in Las Vegas. This year, we're going to an all-digital format for obvious reasons. But yeah. usually, we have about 170,000 attendees, over 4,500 exhibitors. It's, it's a great... I mean, if you ever feel pessimistic about the future of the United States, the future of, of innovation, just come to CES and spend some time. All these <laughs> phenomenal ideas, all the great innovation, all the thinking outside the box that occurs. It's incredible. It'll actually renew your your spirit in many ways. I have heard how great this meeting is and specifically around healthcare. More and more people have been talking about get to CES for healthcare, get to CES for healthcare. And, you know, I was actually going to go this year, but then, you know, everything started happening with this virus. I actually, no, you know what? I was thinking about a different one because you guys are in January, right? Yeah, we're January every year. Yeah. So we did have CES 2020. It was right before the pandemic. Right. The That's pandemic right. hit a couple of months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, man. But you know what? It is one of those meetings that I have heard so much about and I want to make it to. Folks, if you haven't had like any insight into this, it sounds like the healthcare program is pretty comprehensive. Do you care to dive into what that looks like at all, Renee? Yeah. And so I spoke earlier about how digital health companies make up the fastest growing segment of our membership. And the same is true for CES. I think last year we set a record for number of exhibitors, the touch on health. And this year, had we done an in-person show, I think we would have broken this year's record. Wow. Again, we're going all digital this year. But digital health is an incredibly important component of CES, both from the 
exhibitor side. And we're getting more and more interesting, innovative exhibitors all the time, but also from the conference programming side. And so uh, we have a digital health summit at CES, uh, which is two days of conference programming addressing all manner of health technology issues from a policy perspective, a technological perspective, consumer perspective. And so it's really become an incredibly important piece of CES as well as CTA. Love it. Thanks for sharing that. And so as you think about the role of the CTA in what we're doing and improving outcomes and even business models, what would you say is the key way that you guys do that? I think we are really thinking outside the box, bringing new approaches to healthcare problems and providing solutions or technology-based solutions that really have not been at the center of our healthcare system historically. I think that's what our companies bring to the table. Yeah. Um, so the other thing too is as we have a consumerization and all other aspects of our lives, I think we're seeing that movement growing exponentially in healthcare. And even what I would call your status quo or conventional players are realizing that consumer-facing services, consumer-facing solutions are going to be an incredibly important part of healthcare delivery. And that's where our member companies come in offering tremendous solutions, everything from AI and machine learning to wearables that generate a lot of important data and on and on and on. We could go on talking about all the solutions that are coming, but there are issues. The healthcare system has not historically been one to accept new technology. It doesn't know how to cover or reimburse for it necessarily well. Um, clinicians are sometimes suspicious of new technology. So there are a lot of issues that we have to overcome. Mm-hmm. But but I think our members are very well-placed to really drive the ball in this area. That's great. And as folks are listening to this, Renee, you know, and they're thinking, hmm, maybe they're already involved. Maybe they're not involved yet and they're curious. You know, what would you say is, how does it work? You know, if somebody wants to become a member of the association, what does that entail and what are the benefits? Yeah, a lot of benefits. That's a great question. So if you go to cta.tech, there's a whole section devoted to membership and all the benefits of membership. And I should say that CTA plays a lot of roles. So we obviously have an advocacy portion of our association. We have a very engaged, pretty large government and legal affairs group that does a lot of advocacy work, both on the Hill and with the agencies. We also do state level work because a lot of our issues touch on state issues. We have a research department that does a lot of consumer-based research around technology. We have a standards group. So we are an anti-accredited standards organization, meaning we can develop voluntary standards, much like UL, for example. So some of the standards we're known for, for example, airplane mode and closed captioning, which everybody knows. Mm-hmm. But we also have a lot of healthcare based standards. And we can talk about that at some point. But so we're a standards organization, so you can be involved in our standards work. Obviously, we have CES as well. So there are a lot of components to the CTA and CTA membership. And again, go to cta.tech and you can find out all about our other membership benefits. And then I think for an association of our caliber, I think our dues are quite low. I mean, they're based on, on annual revenue. And so that's also something you can explore on the page. That's awesome. And if you go to that website, folks, you'll see that there's regular, there's associate, there's startup member, 
there's a bunch of options there for you to consider thinking about getting engaged with the CTA and, and all the great work that they're doing there in healthcare, Renee and his team. And so, Renee, as you think about the developments and the huge progress that you guys have made with some of the healthcare advocacy work and work that you do with the conference, what would you say is one of the biggest setbacks you've seen and a key learning that came from that that's made you guys even better? I don't think we've had um, a lot of setbacks, to be honest. I think the probably the, the barrier that we face most is people not fully understanding technology, what technology does, how it can be used and implemented, the ease in which a lot of clinicians can use technology, I think sometimes is very underrated. People are intimidated by new things, new technology. So I think that's been something that we've had to wrestle. And how do we ensure clinicians, patients, policymakers understand not only the value of the technology, but the ease of use of the technology and remove sort of some of the intimidation factor that comes with new things. I think that's been probably the biggest stumbling block for us. But I think with education, with guiding principles documents and other things that we've developed, I think we're well on our way to at least demystifying a lot of what we hear about um, health technology in particular. That's really interesting. And So what you're saying is people are not as able to adapt to new things? Yeah, I think so. And and again, if you think about technology, how quickly technology changes. I mean, if Mm -hmm. you just think about what our phones were, our cell phones were, say, in 2005 compared to what they are today, their functionality. I mean, we're talking about generations worth of progress just in 15 years. It's amazing. Oh, it's just amazing. You're right. It is. And so I think that's part of the the challenge we have in the technology sector, which is incredible innovation happening rapidly. But we have to ensure that people understand the changes and are not intimidated by the changes. That ultimately, I think technology makes our lives better. And that should be the case in healthcare as well. Yeah. And so, Renee, when you talk about people kind of, you know, maybe being a little fearful, how does the CTA come into play there? Are there like education campaigns? And can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. So so one of the ways we've done that is through what I would call thought leadership. So for example, yeah. um, there's been a lot of concern about the use of health technology solutions and privacy. So And so one of the things we did last fall is we published a guiding principles for the privacy of personal health and wellness data, I think we called it. So that we put together a large work group to think through all the privacy issues that may come up with the use of health technology, particularly health technology that involves personal health data. It came up with some principles that developers of these solutions ought to keep in mind as they develop these solutions. So it's things like that. Projects like that that really sort of um, are thought leadership, thought pieces where we put together a work group to think some of these issues. We also did that for virtual care. So right before the pandemic, we released a document, Best Practices for Virtual Care, really providing some guiding principles for virtual care developers about some of the issues they need to think about and build into their virtual care solutions. So I think at CTA, our view is the more thought leadership we can do, along with all the other work we do, the better. And then the other piece is our standards piece. Like I said before, we're a standards development organization. Mm -hmm. I think standards are a very important part of innovation. One of my colleagues likes to say standardization for innovation. We have some baseline principles 
some baseline definitions we can all agree on, it really helps um, innovators move forward. So there are a lot of ways we do this, but I think thought leadership and standards are two of the, the more important ways. Wow, that's super cool. And I mean, these best practices, Renee, sound so interesting. The guiding principles for privacy, best practices for virtual care. Where can people find that? Is that available to the public or is it to members only? No, it is. So a lot of our thought leadership pieces, our research pieces are not available to the public for the most part, Mm -hmm. but our thought leadership pieces are. So if you go, again, to cta.tech, you'll be able to find not only the documents I talked about, but a whole slew of other documents that you can download. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So folks, cta.tech and you'll see there's a menu bar on the resources and you scroll down and you see the standards. This is so cool, Renee. Thank you for sharing this awesome resource with us. Sure. So if, if everybody hasn't heard about it, get over there and check it out. I mean, pretty amazing work here. And so Renee, what makes you most excited today? I think it, I think it was, I'm fond of quotes. And one of my favorite quotes mm-hmm. is by Winston Churchill. And he talks about how an optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. And so I think during these very stressful and troubling times with the pandemic, I think we've seen innovation and really great thinking on the healthcare side about ways in which we can revolutionize healthcare, ways in which we can get healthcare to people in ways that we haven't before or have been slow to do before. And so you talked about in the beginning, the incredible surge of the use of telehealth and remote patient monitoring. That's been a tremendous, tremendous example of ways in which difficulties have presented opportunities for folks to really advance the ball. And I think if you look at the uh, Medicare telehealth data, the CMS administrator, Seema Verma, came out with a blog post, I think about a month and a half ago, in which she talked about how before the pandemic, 13,000 beneficiaries per week were receiving telehealth services. And by the middle of June, there had been 9 million total. Think about that incredible surge. So my point here is, all these difficulties we're having with the pandemic and other issues we're having, at least on the healthcare side, I think present tremendous opportunities for us to rethink the way we deliver services, rethink the way patients receive services. Um, and it's an opportunity that I, quite frankly, that we haven't had before. So for some bad comes some good. So that's really what I'm excited about. And I think people's minds are being open about technology, health technology, virtual care, and some of the things that uh, some of our member companies have been working on for decades. Yeah, that's so interesting, Renee. I, I love that. And it is exciting. And it's also exciting to know that that there's an association like yours with your leadership and you know on the healthcare front and just the, the activities you guys are doing to help all of us. It's certainly encouraging. And so I, I want to thank you for jumping on and sharing with us just, just the tip of the iceberg here but the invitation goes to you listening today to check out more. And so, Renee, why don't you leave us with the closing thought and then the best place that the listeners could you know, connect with you or continue to learn more? Yeah, I think, and I've said before, I'm fond of quotes. I think it was Mark Twain who said, continuous improvement is better than delayed perfection. And I think sometimes in the healthcare sector, we're always looking for the perfect. And I think what this pandemic has shown is that there are existing tools that we have not really used in a very effective way, which can be used, which lead us to the road of rethinking healthcare. So I'm very excited about that. 
I think a lot of minds have been open given everything we've seen over the last six months about healthcare. So I think ultimately in the next 10 years, I think we're going to see tremendous change in our healthcare system, which is necessary because despite the fact that we've got tremendous clinicians and tremendous health systems, there are a lot of gaps and problems in our healthcare system that need to be fixed. Well, Renee, this is awesome. I appreciate you sharing that quote. Continuous improvement is better than delayed perfection. I'm going to use that. <laughs> There's so many instances where that's the case, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in our health system. Oh, my gosh. Well, folks, this has been a great discussion with Renee Kwashi. And again, he mentioned CTA.tech as a place to, to connect and learn more. Renee, I just want to give you a big thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, no podcast, no problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.